Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Star Trek Picard Fake Nerds Watch. Fake Nerds Watch Star Trek Picard. Reverse that. Cool. Uh, this is episode seven. We're going to be discussing episode seven, Dominion. Yes. Uh, written, directed by Deborah Camp Campmere. Campmere? Sure. Um, yep. And written by Jane Maggs. This is her second episode of the season. Um, so, but before we get into that... Let me introduce Cookie from Just a Little Podcast. How are you doing, my friend? How is it going? Oh, I'm okay. You know, just getting along. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Side fact, Megacon happened in uh, Orlando, Florida, and I didn't get a chance to go. My first con in a while, in a, I don't know how long that I've never gone to. I've gone to like almost every Megacon. I've gone to a lot of Supercons, and uh, Gates McFadden was there. And was I was thrilled. I was like, oh. I'm not going. I need to get this book signed. And I know you and I talked about it. And I talked to a few other friends. And I'm like, you know what? Screw it. If she's not in the book, it's a it's a Star Trek Next Generation is number one. Yeah. At that time, she wasn't the doctor at the time. So I, I looked at it. I'm like, she's not on the cover. She's not in the book. But who cares? This is my book. I'm keeping it in my PC. It is what it is. I, I would love to still have her on there. So uh, I sent that book and another Spider-Man book that I have that I'm collecting signatures on. Sent it to with my buddy, and Saturday was so absolutely packed. It was sold out. I think oh, wow. all four days was sold out. Saturday was sold out. Sunday was sold out. All days for youth were sold out as well. And they ended up splitting up Saturday into half a day. So he said, like, hey, from two to close or whatever, four to close, you can come in. It's $65 to come in if you want to do it. So it was slammed, slam, slam, yeah. slam. And my buddy's like, hey, I can't get her signature right now. I'm going to try it tomorrow on Sunday. And then he messaged me saying like, hey, I don't know if she's signing right now because one of our friends went and she wasn't signing books. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, my goodness, no. So I'm freaking out now. And I don't want to ask him like, hey, did you get it? Because I want it to be a surprise if he does get it. It's like a yay, joyous surprise. And if he doesn't get it, I will be bummed that it's harder. But I won't know until then. There's always another convention. You always could come to um, L.A. Comic Con. You just come out here. Yeah, yeah. Does she do? Is there a lot of Star Trek people? Okay. (laughs) We get a few Power Rangers, but you know we might get some Star Trek people this year. Who you never know. Um, I didn't introduce myself. I'm Brandon T. McClure from the Fignard Podcast. Um, Hi, everyone. Uh, Before we get into it, though, Cookie, why don't we talk about some of the news that's dropped this past week? Oh yeah. We have some great news. We've been we've been talking about it, kind of hinting at what could possibly happen. And I think one of the things we talked about was potentially a Star Trek Academy would be pretty cool to see. Yeah, it's been rumored for a, for a while to be in active development, but mm-hmm. there's been talk of a Starfleet Academy series ever since Kirk and Spock. Yeah. Um, like this is this kind of show has been has been kind of in the works for a long time, but they did finally announce that the next Star Trek show to come out will be a Starfleet Academy. Really cool. What do you? Because I I didn't get a chance to explore all the details or yeah. lack of details. What have they announced as far as the plot, the the timeline, who the characters we might see? Well, so they haven't said specifically what the timeline is, but through context clues you can pretty much guess it's probably post discovery okay 
So what they've said is they said like you know for the first time in a hundred years Starfleet Academy is open, and that lines up with where we saw Starfleet Academy in the beginning of season four of Discovery. Yeah. Makes so sense. that's probably what this is. If that's the case, I'm kind of bummed, honestly. I don't think the 32nd century is very interesting. I don't think Discovery has done anything interesting with it. Mm-hmm. And I guess this this could change that. But there's really nothing there in that setting that says to me, yes, this is the place to put the Starfleet Academy show. Yeah. I kind of feel agree. like it I kind of feel like it should be around this should be the 25th century. I would love it during Picard and like actually seeing like the the Daystrom instrument uh, Daystrom institution kind of just get sent off into space and drop back down or I forgot what the, the academy that what they were at get sent into space and drop like see those events kind of happen real time as uh, an academy um, student. Yeah, the even so, it wouldn't necessarily mean I wouldn't need it to be like the the only other thing is like they're like you know we're gonna talk about we're gonna bring in like new characters and new students and cool 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 and they're like oh yeah they're gonna go through like exams and relationships and all like very much like a teen drama and i'm like yeah actually i do want to see a star trek teen drama that does sound interesting to me but then they were like at the very end of the synopsis was like and uh, when a threat threatens the federation and starfleet academy these cadets have to rise to the challenge and i'm like don't don't do that i don't need to see that part they have to have some type of like mission. No, of course, like, but nothing galaxy ending. That's Discovery's okay. problem, right? Discovery fell into this issue of the last two seasons where it's like it's always the fate of the galaxy at risk. It's always mm-hmm. the fate of the galaxy, and the Discovery is the only one to do it. And I don't care. Do can, something. Do, do something small. Yeah. But whatever. Um, I think it's potential for the show, though, and I, I am curious to see where it goes. For sure. And it's nice to know that there is another show coming. Oh, yeah. It's not the show I wanted them to announce, which is the sequel show to Star Trek Picard. <laughs> but whatever. Uh, and then finally, the, the the next two things that they announced were uh, Strange New Worlds and Lower Decks were all renewed for, were both renewed for new seasons. Yes. So season three and season five, respectively. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, that's very exciting. I'm so happy about that. Yeah. Um, and we know that Strange New Worlds will be premiering in June. Mm-hmm. So hell yeah. It's right around the corner. And you won't be here for it. <laughs> but uh, we can talk about it now because I have I've officially announced it on my podcast. So Oh that's true. That's true. Yes. Yeah, so why don't we get why don't we get into that? Yeah, so um um it's a bittersweet moment. My wife and I have been trying to have a child for three years now, and it's been complications and just recently, last year, um, we ended up getting the good news that we're having a baby. And it was like, it was exciting. And now as time is progressing on, getting closer to the due date, I'm like, okay, things are getting real. Like I have to like yeah. change up the podcast room, make it like a, uh, a baby room, get all these baby things. I'm trying to work with my wife as much as I can, trying to like be there for her. And then at the same time, I was still trying to be there for the podcast. And and patreon and i noticed like the patreon was really falling down i still had people supporting me, which is awesome but i just wasn't putting anything into it and then the podcast was trying to find time to record and edit i do everything myself and it takes me like four hours to gather notes to record a podcast to edit it to make two or three photos to drop them out into the ether 
it takes a lot of time and it, it takes a lot of energy, uh, a lot of dedication, which I love doing. I absolutely adore doing it and I don't want to give it up, but it's like, okay, my, my wife and my child or a podcast that's not making me any money, not doing anything. It's just a hobby. And I was like, you know what? The podcast has to go. Um, it's not indefinitely, but it's going to be a temporary thing when it's coming back. I'm not too sure. Um, I still have to reach out to the people on Patreon, kind of let them know like, Hey, I put a hold onto the bill for this month. So you guys aren't getting charged, figure out where we go from here and what we want to do. Um, this show has been a wonderful, wonderful, joyous moment for me. Every single time I get to hang out with you and back when it was Mike and you as well, it was amazing. But unfortunately, like I said, um, adulting happens. So I will be putting this on hold as well. Uh, not indefinitely, but definitely putting on a hold because I, I would love to come back. And even if it's like I get a I get like a split moment, I'm like, yo, dude, I can record. Are you available? Let's do this type of thing. Mm-hmm. I want to be there because I I love Star Trek and my podcast is all about me not knowing everything, but learning about things as I present them to other people. And I am not the biggest Star Trek fan at all, but I love Star Trek very much so. And your passion kind of seeps onto me. So the things that you know, I I get to experience those things through you and get to learn those things through you. And it's been a joyous moment to get on this ride and travel the stars with you type of thing. And so it's definitely going to be a bittersweet moment. It's going to be a bummer because like I, I really do enjoy hanging out with you, enjoy talking Star Trek. But it, I still haven't seen Star Wars, haven't I? No, you've been saying Star Trek. Okay. Whew, I got scared. <laughs> so yeah, it's been a it's been a moment. It's been awesome, man. But it's yeah. Things unfortunately do have to come to an end for me. You're making me cry. Um I uh obviously I knew this was knew this is coming. Yes, um, I, I've known for a while. I've even been saying I've even been saying on this show for a while. Yes, uh Cookie will not be joining me uh for future Fickners watch Star Trek installments. Um so I'm in the market for a new co-host, um, but uh, so this will continue because you know I'm I'm still here and I'm still willing to keep going. Um, but I I've been you and I connected through Mike from the Downright Nerdy podcast. Correct. Yeah, it's probably his greatest contribution to our friendship. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, no, I've I've really appreciated you doing this with me. It's been getting a lot harder for you. Um, to schedule to schedule these episodes, and I recognize that, and I'm very grateful that you are able to take the time out and and do this with me. Um, but I'm, I'm gonna miss you, man. Miss you too, man. Miss you. But I will. You have my number, of course. So I'm always a phone call away. And there's gonna be times where I'm like, "Yo, dude, I got like 10 minutes to kill. You want to just hop on live stream and just talk and Let's just catch it. up." And you've always got an open invite to do anything, any show, anywhere, anytime. Thank you, my friend. Thank you so much. Well, all that blubbering, all that manly blubbering is out of the way. Why don't we talk about the Star Trek episode we're here to talk about? Let's do it. So this is Star Trek Picard Season 3, Episode 7, Dominion. As I said before, directed by Deborah uh, Kampmeer, I believe. Uh, written by Jane Maggs. So what did you think about this episode? It was great. It was really great. And I am getting nervous still. Are you? I am still nervous because of Jack. Jack is the, the, my pinnacle nerves are still sitting on him trying to understand. Cause we, I thought we, we established who he was, mm-hmm. but then now there's like this plot twist that happened towards the, the latter part of this episode. But I, I really enjoyed 
this episode and I enjoyed I enjoy the characters so much. I just really do. I love their monologues. I I love Lavar Burton, as you know. He's one of he's my favorite character in the. Oh my god, he's incredible in this episode. He is so incredible. the The emotion that he gives, we will get to it. Um, um, Ben Reiner, it just him going from from lore to data and back again, over and over again in a single. In a single sentence. Yes. Gives me goosebumps on how talented he is. Um, Picard, he, he was, he's always great. Like I, I've loved this series so much. Um, especially this season has been a shining moment for me. And this episode, I think was my favorite episode because of LeVar and Data's interaction. I think that moment for me was just so it got me swelling up with like tears because of how well those lines were delivered, but we will get to those later down the line. I'm really conflicted now. Cause how so? I didn't love this episode. Really? Really? Well, so, and I'll explain, like, it's not that I didn't like it. Cause I did. I think it's a strong episode. There's, there's a lot of really good moments in this episode, but I like parts of this episode more than I like the whole of it. Okay. And, this would be the only episode that we've had so far outside of maybe the, the row episode um, a couple episodes back that I would, that I could consider to be, and I don't, I'm not saying that it is this, but like would be the closest thing we have to filler. Okay. Because there's really not as far as like what the show is, which is basically, you know, it's, it's a big mystery. Like who is Jack? What, what are the changelings planning and blah, blah, blah. And with a mystery show, you gotta, you gotta kind of feed information throughout every episode. And I think for the most part, the show is really good at doing that. This episode was the first time where they've been confronted with getting some of those answers and then swerving away from them. This happens twice in the episode. Once where Jack is saying, Hey, I'm, you know, Hey, there's something wrong with me. And he, Picard doesn't press him for like, oh, what is it? And Jack, there is a sense that like Jack doesn't know how to say, oh, I can read minds. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is a, they have a moment where they just kind of trying to have that discussion. But the scenes weirdly swerves them away from getting to that answer. And Picard is given a lot of information in this episode, but not the not the critical pieces to put that those we... to put them all together. Mm-hmm. And only and it only and the only reason why he doesn't get them is because the story needs to happen in the next episode. Yes. And that was a little frustrating to me. See, I, I like that because it reminded me so much of find out next time on Dragon Ball Z. Oh, sure. So yeah. It, it gave me that vibe very much so. But it, for me, it answered a lot of questions as well. It answered the question of data, the question of lore, the question of why they're all in one. The question of Lavar and his relationship with Data, and why he wasn't there. You have Picard and his son, but with Jack, we get more of an we get a potential understanding of why they need Jack and why they need uh, Picard. We get an understanding of the Changelings and how the the Dominion the Domin- the war really changed who the changelings were or this group of changelings and why they are the way they are. Yeah. We have the leader of the changelings, the, the, the dude face that's using them almost in a third person when he talks to them saying like, yeah, he's your people. We, we, we do learn that he's not a changeling. Yes. He's something else. Correct. And he has control over them. So I've got, a, made... I've got a, I've got a question for you. Yes. 
Who do you think he is? I have no clue. Do you I think have... he's someone we've met before, or do you think he's someone new? Uh... Tough question, isn't it? It is. It's very tough. It's like, okay, well then who could who could this honestly? It's, yeah, it's very tough. I really don't know. I know there there is one there's one character that I know it, it it can't be, but I kind of really want it to be at this point. Who is that? Ducat. I, I knew you were gonna say it too. I knew you were gonna say it because I just that's the only character I can think of because of what happened in D Space Nine. Right, because how- you know he comes back, it's the Paw Wraiths coming yeah. back and it's Ducat. Like that'd be kind of cool. It would be. It would be very interesting, like him coming back and I would I wouldn't mind it. I honestly wouldn't mind it. It would be pulling at a lot of fans' heartstrings if they did that, though. I mean, Dukat is probably the greatest villain that Star Trek has ever created. Under that or Khan, of course. I'll I'll put Dukat over Khan because I think Khan is just a movie. Well, Khan's iconic. Khan is Khan is part of one of the greatest Star Trek movies of all time. Yeah, but. Ducat had so much more room to breathe than For Khan sure, did. He had, a, he had seasons. Yeah, and you you had a character who was like sometimes who, who like sometimes would forcefully work for the work work with the, the characters. You know, there was yeah. a rivalry between him and Cisco that kind of played out over seasons. Uh, and his final arc is awesome. I really like Ducat. Ducat's great. He, he is. It, yeah, it definitely. So there, there's a lot of aspects in this this episode that i really enjoyed um i forgot his name now will come back to me but um which one the vulcan tavine tavine thank you like mm-hmm. learning seeing that part and understanding that they oh, are truly i'm old. sorry tuvok tuvok sorry thank you yes right i forgot i to- totally forgot we should start with the beginning which reintroduces tuvok yes so seeing that was so cool and then like the interaction that seven has with him and you you get to learn like the changelings have this ability to kind of infiltrate their minds and learn things about them so that they can now present that information in the event they need to go and be questioned. And that questioning, I was like, okay, whew, we have somebody on our side. And it's yeah. like, boom, no, it's not. So that, that was interesting that seems to know awesome. that we're all that I'm saying we're like, I'm on part of the ship, but they're all alone. They're truly alone in this. And Beverly was right. You, we don't know who to trust. You cannot trust this, like Starfleet. What's so interesting about it? What's what's so actually really great about that scene? First off, great to see Tim Russ back as Tuvok. I think mm-hmm. he's a, an incredible character. Um, was the highlight of Star Trek Voyager for me. Um, so to have him return, and sh- shockingly so, was awesome. Yeah, um, I did not expect it. Yeah, neither did I. This the subtitles because I watched the subtitles. It spoiled it for me. It said Tuvok, but like it's like seconds away from when they're turning the camera. So I was like, oh, so I like okay, whatever. But the way they play that scene of like, okay, we're gonna voice match, we're gonna try and figure it out. Okay, it this is the sound, the voice, the voice, the voice is matching, and she's and then she she says the thing of like all the games of Calto and and Tuvok's like, oh yeah, we you know you beat me all the time, and then the the theme song plays, the Voyager theme plays, and you're like, oh, okay, we have, yeah, come. we get, we have someone. We were, we are with, we are with you. We have found a person we can trust. Yes. And then the the realization that it's not Tuvok is such a great turn, and it, and you get the impression that this is not the first person that they've talked to. 
Correct. They have probably reached out to a lot of people, a lot of old friends from mm-hmm. Voyager, from Deep Space Nine, even from the Enterprise, um, who have all turned out to be changelings. And Tuvok is just another one of those characters that they've reached out to, and they've and they've because of this they've realized like that they, that Picard says it, we're alone. Yeah, there is Jordy, no one who can help us. Jordy even says he's like we're running out of like we're running out of places to hide. Blood. Exactly, and I was like, that just makes you think of how vast space is and how much junk there is out there, and they're running out of room to actually hide. Says a lot of how many times they probably tried this out. Yeah, and I really, I really appreciate that because it's not like they don't say it in dialogue of like, oh, we've tried this, this, and this, and this. You get the sense that they've tried this from the feeling they have of learning that Tuvok was a changeling. Correct. And then when, when, uh, the, sorry, online they call him Tuvok, changeling Tuvok. <laughs> um, when he turns into um, Riker's corpse. Yes, with the veins, I was horrifying. like horrifying. That was creep. My wife was like just there next to me, and all of a sudden she looks, she's like, ooh. And I was like, listen, it's a long story. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know changelings could do that. Right? It was that was very creepy. Um, I I really, I really like that scene. Like it, it's one of the best scenes in the whole show, I think. That two box scene. So when you really think about it and you break down what we've learned out of this episode and the the moments that we do get, the pockets of moments that we do get. It's a really great episode, at least for me, because mm-hmm. everything does line up. Everything does add up. It adds to the the positive feedback that I get of the show. And the only negative feedback that I get is of Jack. And who is Jack? Yeah. So one of the things that we learn in this episode that frustratingly no one follows up on is that the aromatic syndrome might have been misdiagnosed. Mm-hmm. And. I really, I really thought that was interesting because, like, we we learned that Jack has eromotic syndrome that he got passed down from Picard, and they they have surmised that the reason why they want John Luke uh, John Luke's original body and Jack's blood is to make a perfect doppelganger. I think you suggested that last week. Yes, that that's the reason that they could be trying to to do this to full to to make a a, a perfect version of Picard. Um. But the aromatic syndrome thing suggests that the reason why they want Jack is because of whatever he actually has that is registering as aromatic syndrome. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that frustrated me because like when when data says, you know, previous diagnosis of aromatic syndrome now in question, and then Vatic has this moment where she's like, um, you don't know who he is. He was never meant for you. He's not meant for me. And again, and no one puts those pieces together to be like, hang yeah. on, hang on, hang on. Can what we elaborate? Mean? What if it's not aromatic syndrome? What is it? Yeah. And the only reason why we don't get this answer this week is because we're getting it next week. Mm-hmm. And that's that was a little frustrating. For sure. Do you think that Picard was misdiagnosed as well? Yeah, I think they're both I think they're both misdiagnosed as aromatic syndrome. It's gonna be very interesting. Yeah, I actually really like that idea because I never thought I if you, I don't know if you listened because you weren't on the season one, yeah, no, the discussion for Picard. But I never liked the idea that Picard, that Star Trek Picard, brought back the aromatic syndrome idea. Okay, because it was always an idea in all good things that it he had the potential to develop and to develop it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think it was a good idea for them in Star Trek Picard to have this diagnosis be fatal and have him die at the end of that season. Mm-hmm. 
So I always thought that they were they should have just nixed the whole idea entirely. But now that we're kind of like, oh, what if it wasn't actually Aramonic Syndrome? What if it was something else? There, there's something that is that is telling the computer that this is Aramonic Syndrome, but is not Aramonic Syndrome. And it, because it's a fake disease, we we don't even know like what would register as that as that syndrome. So like the idea that it's not what we thought it was is actually really exciting to me. Mm-hmm. And I really just want to know what it is. For sure. Do you so then do you think that the writer's room said, you know what, we're gonna be doing we're doing three seasons. We're gonna do this and we're gonna have this story for three seasons. And they knew season one that this was gonna happen season three. No, because season three was when they initially renewed the show for three seasons, they were about halfway through the first season and Michael Chabon was still showrunner. Okay. And Terry Metalis didn't come on board until I think halfway through second season, but I could be wrong. Gotcha. Um, so he, so season three, as far as I know, is his, is just purely his idea. Whereas season two was kind of a hodgepodge of his idea and Michael Chabon's idea mm-hmm. that he left that he left them with. But then season one was, I don't believe that season one was ever conceived as a three season story. Just the way it's structured with Picard's death at the end, I don't believe that they intended the show to go on longer than oh, one, just one one season. Yeah, but the um, but when it was revealed, when they did renew it, I think uh, when Terry Metalis came on board, this was kind of in his idea when he came on board because he had a he's been talking. He talked a lot about going forward when he was in, when he brought when he went into Picard that this was a this was a story idea that he had for decades. Mm-hmm. Um, that he always wanted to see done, and so this is kind of like his fan fiction, right? Yeah, we're we're and seeing his fan fiction it out, which is so cool. Yeah, man. I mean, that's all. That's all anything is at this point, right? Fan yeah. fiction. It, it really um, is. So it's cool to see. Anyway, because you've brought up Jack a lot, let's talk about Jack. Let's do it. What do you think? What do you think's going on with Jack? It is such a mystery because it's <laughs> like. Are we the only ones who can see the red eyes? Number one. Number two. I had that same thought. Okay. It's like, it, is that a way for the the writers and the director to kind of like show that, hey, he's now doing this telepathic thing? That was my only thought with seeing that. And then. Right. Because when Sydney looks back at him. She the gets left. Yeah. Does she, does she see the red eyes? Like, I don't exactly. know. But then later down the line, when when we get to that moment, but when we see Jack kind of like do this virtual reality fighting in her, that's pretty cool. It was so cool. Her eyes are red. They are. So whatever, again, this goes back to like the, the aromatic syndrome thing. I th- the key to the season is the aromatic syndrome diagnosis. Yes. Um, and I, I, there's a, there's a, there's a thing that like what Jack is doing that he can read minds now. And that's something that would, I mean, Picard never did that. Like we never knew that he could do that. That makes me wonder like how long has he had this ability and what caused him to, I guess, invigorate this ability and why did Picard not have it or not have the ability to do so. And then Jack also, and then um, Vatic also says Beverly that he wasn't meant for you. Vatic says that like, uh, he's not, you know, because they're like, what do you want with Jack? And he's like, nothing. I don't want, he's not meant for me. And we could bond on that because he wasn't meant for you either. Yeah. 
Well, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Or is so if he's not Picard's kid, how is he also not Beverly's? Because she gave birth to him. Theoretically, that would be like yeah. he gave, she she would know that she gave birth to this to this child. For yeah, but I mean, maybe I guess she could be she could have memories implanted. Yeah, maybe she was like, I, I it's gonna sound weird, but maybe it's like a, a a Jesus moment where Beverly was knocked out type of thing, and they actually put a baby in her to grow in her. And now they're trying to go and collect on their now adult child. I don't There's know. There's so many avenues they can go down. And yeah. the mystery for me, I think, scares me because it's so it's so close to the end. And they should not, they should be concluding on some of these mysteries and getting us to who the main villain is and how do we defeat this main villain and how do we restore balance in in the federation. Yeah. Here's how I, I would ideally structure these next three episodes. Mm-hmm. And here's how, I kind of hope this is the case, but if not, I'm perfectly open to something better. Um, but the next episode, we learn the big mystery. Who is Jack? What do the changelings want with Jack? Mm-hmm. And that's the that's the big episode, because then we go into the two part. All right. Time for the time for our main crew, our main cast, the next generation cast to save the Federation. Yes. So we got two episodes where they're saving the Federation. The only question left answered, who was the face? Yes. And then that saved for the last episode. I think. I think if they hint at who is the face in this next episode, they don't reveal it, but they go and like they bring it about so that you can you kind of get this idea of, oh, we're going to get this reveal. And then the following episode, they have the face now talking and then we get to conclude of why they're doing what they're doing and how this grand scheme plan is going to all formulate. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. That. I'm really curious to know how those, how these last three episodes are going to go. I'm not at the point where I feel like they're going to drop the ball though. And that's, okay. that's a good place for me to be in because I was pretty sure that season two was going to drop the ball. Yeah. Well, I mean, they still added more. So like we have, we have Lauren data, which mm-hmm. is a beautiful moment. And, seeing lore now take control of data's body almost like a hundred percent was like whoa this is pretty scary pretty intense yeah at like a pinnacle moment in this series so that's now another added mystery of okay what's gonna happen with data what's gonna happen with lore well see that's not necessarily a mystery that's mostly just kind of that is that is something that i could see them not really how do i want to say this because I don't think it's a necessary mystery for the show how okay. what what the future of lore and data are going to be. I think whatever the journey that the crew is on will maybe get lore and data harmonized in that body. And so it's not necessarily a mystery, it's just kind of an arc that data and lore are on. Gotcha. So it's just that kind of a be- it's just kind of a, a short arc, a short arc for the next couple episodes. That'd be great to see them actually harmonize his brothers and that would be like dr sung's reality kind of come to grips where data has this longing to be a human lore has this ability to kind of fill that gap and hopefully they all coincide to be one harmonious human being yeah i i would like to see that because I, I really like the 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 scene 
where you know when Laura takes over the the ship and and we see him glaring out the at the door mm-hmm. and um Jordy is trying to um appeal to data within lore and i it's such an incredible monologue that they wrote for Lavar um yes. and he delivers and he delivers it so well and he's just he he's just pleading with his best friend who yeah. he, who is alive in front of him and trapped inside trapped inside a monster's body and he's just kind of like please like i i'm i'm so grateful that i get a second chance with you but don't let lore kill my daughter yes it, it's, uh, it's extremely beautiful heart pulling emotional roller coaster the the way that they just show lavar as a profile view and you see like these teardrops literally swell up in his eyes as he's like exactly what you said as he's pleading to data and just saying like you need to snap out of this buddy this this is your moment to shine i need you to come back you need to save us all yeah but importantly you need to save my daughters yeah he, he has this thing where it's like um earlier in the episode when they when when he re, when he reactivates lore and data um and it's just the cognitive functions mm-hmm. and uh jordy is like you know telling picard you know like uh, here's the thing and you see you see the pain in you see that like the kind of happiness and pain in Jordy's face when Laura and Data are just kind of fighting with each other in that scene and Brent Spiner is great but there's a lot of there's a lot of um, there's a lot of uh, acting coming from uh Patrick Stewart because there's a lot of like Patrick Stewart is pulling a lot of what was season one of Picard and but Jordy is pulling from far earlier in the in the track timeline. Yes, where where he has to he has he's seeing a his best friend who he saw explode the last time he saw him he yes. exploded. And this is that this is that data. This isn't a data who's lived or who was living in that computer on on Sung's tablet. This is the data that was on that was whose last memory was of the scimitar. Yeah. So. Jordy is sitting there with all this, with all this emotional baggage, finally getting a chance to be like, I've got my, for my friend back. And when, when data says, help me mm-hmm. broke my heart. It, it does. And it, it broke Jordy's heart. Cause he's like, I remember my, my best friend wanted me to go and like, end this, just end this misery for him. And now it's like, he wants me to help him. And it's like, oh my goodness. And you feel the pain because Jordy's like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. I don't know how to save my best friend again. And I don't this want is to more my com- best friend. This is more complex than any data and than any Sung type Android we ever encountered. Dude, I'm getting chills. <laughs> but, like this is the like he says the he says the thing where it's like, you know, this is more art than engineering. Yes. Um, because it because it is. This is unprecedented. This is something way far, far more complex than what than what Nunian Soon created with data or lore. And he has this, and they both have this moment where where Picard and, and the Forest they have this moment where the where he's like, if I remove the Jordy says, if I remove the partitions, lore may prevail. Yeah, and I don't know if I can lose him, if I can lose Data again. And Picard says, "I, me I don't, I, me either. I don't think I yeah. can either." And it's, it's, it's really nice that they have that moment because, you know, I talked about it a lot how Data and Jordy's friendship took a backseat during the the movies. Mm-hmm. So to have an acknowledgement that both Jordy and Picard had very valuable relationships with Data, 
um, in that scene was 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 just a really nice way to honor both the show and the movies. For sure. I'm. This is why my this is why this episode is my favorite. Sure. It just like it 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 pulled at so many emotions, and you're you're jumping from like scene to scene, and one minute you're at like um, a high level of intensity, trying to figure out what's going on with Jack. And then it fast forwards or cuts to another scene where now you're talking to Data and Jordy, and then you're fast forwarding, you're cutting to another scene where it's um, seven and nine. Like you have all these different moments that are all concluding at the same time, and your emotions are going left, right, center. They're going all over the place, and you're trying to trying to make heads and tails of it. And I think that that ability that they had to go and do it with this episode was brilliant. I just really quickly, I just want to tell you, my cat's really cute. <laughs> Sorry, he's just on my couch over there. No worries. Um, I got like a therapist couch on the side here. Okay. That I just, you know, just for guess. There you go. Tell me your problems. Anyway. Um, <clears throat> the LaForge kids don't get a lot of play in this episode outside of Sydney. I love mm-hmm. Sydney. I do too, and this Sydney's his real daughter too, right? Both are real daughters. No, no, Sydney is his is his acting daughter. Okay, uh, the other one is his real daughter. The the other one, the uh, Alondra, I think is her yeah. name. Uh, she's she's played by uh, uh, Lavar Burton's real daughter. It's kind of interesting. Like he has more of a connection with his acting daughter than it is with his real daughter. In this, well, he has show. he has more scenes with yeah. with Sydney so far, anyway. Correct. Um, I think it's because, because they just butt heads. Yeah, because Alondra, Alondra was like the daughter that um, that followed Jordy, right? Mm-hmm. She she works with him on the she works with him on the Fleet Museum. She is an engineer. Um, she she for all intents and purposes is just Jordy LaForge. Um, he molded her in in a way that Sydney rejected. Sydney didn't yeah. want to be an engineer. She wanted to be a pilot. She she wanted to. Uh, she wanted to see the stars. She didn't want to mm-hmm. uh, serve on the Fleet Museum, uh, which is probably why they uh, they've allowed Sydney to kind of have more to do with Jordy and with other characters than with Alondra. Yeah, but I would like to see more from the two of them for sure. I did like her moments that we kind of got, especially when they're on the turbo lift and it's her and Jack, and that's really sweet. What's that? It's really sweet. It is. It is, and it was just like. It was like, oh, that's so cute. Like she's just like kind of smitten over him, and he's vice versa over her. And you're seeing like this little, this little sparkle, this little thing happening of like a love interest, if you will. Yeah. And it was very cute. And she just thought, why doesn't he like? He needs to go and touch my hand. And then he reaches over and touches her hand, and she backs away, coming out of the turbo lift, and looks back, and it's like, why did you do that? And then that's when we kind of realize, like, oh crap, this dude can read minds. This is going to be intense. Yeah, I, that reading minds thing is so fascinating to me. I'm so curious what that's going to be. Yeah. Um, but like, he's freaked out by it too. So he goes to talk to his dad. Yeah. Um, so weird to say, his dad. Um, and and I always really like when he comes to Picard and he's and he clearly calls him Admiral. Admiral. And yeah. And, and uh, Picard is always so eager to, yeah, Jack, what's up? Like, mm-hmm. what, what, do you, what do you want? So much like what you talked about with, um, 
you know, there's great moments in this episode, and I agree, there are great moments in this episode. One of them being Jack talking to Picard in the in this conference room when he has this moment, like, I don't understand why people are doing this for me. Mm-hmm. You know, what? who am I? I'm nothing. I'm nobody. Uh, and he's, he's showing regret for what happened to Riker. And he's got like, Riker was good to me from day one. And we, and he's there and he might be dead. And I just don't know what we can do, what, what we can do because he's, you know, he's like, we've been on the back foot the entire time. We've never had the advantage here. Yes. I think that's a really good moment. A really good moment that should have ended with, and I can read minds. (laughs) It should have, but then we kind of have Picard have a realization of, Oh, I have a grand plan. We should do this. It's a shitty plan, by the way. It is a horrible plan. It's a terrible plan. <laughs> it's, that's what happens when you're senile and you're 110 years old. 96 years old and you're just like, here's what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to pretend we got into a big battle and we're going to lure them into the ship and we'll trap them. Yeah. You know what? It would have actually worked out if Lord didn't, wasn't such a dick. Very true. But we did get one pinnacle moment where... Beverly and Picard are kind of like doing this research after they've trapped them and they learn that there is a special component to these changelings that they can now track. Yeah. Uh, And that kind of goes to like in the beginning where Beverly is just kind of like, I've been weighing the moral dilemma of, you know, identifying these creatures based on biology alone. And, you know, what does that mean? That reminds me that I want to talk to you a bit about like, you know, what's kind of really interesting about the show is that it's the next generation crew dealing with the ca- the fallout of the Dominion War, mm-hmm. and it's really it's really fascinating to me that this that this fallout is happening now because the Dominion War is probably like twenty years twenty years removed at this point. Okay, maybe mm-hmm. maybe longer. Honestly, let's see. The Dominion War probably ended about twenty three mid twenty three seventies, and this is twenty four oh one. So we're almost thirty mm-hmm. years away from the Dominion wow. War at this point. Mm-hmm. And so, but so the scars of the of the Dominion War are still haunting the Federation in a way that, in a way that's represented by this Vatic. And the other thing is, outside of Star Trek Insurrection, we never actually see the Next Generation crew interact in any meaningful way with the Dominion War. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of them doing that. It's kind of bringing the 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 politics and the the darkness and the morality of deep space nine to the next generation crew for the first time yeah and i actually think it's working really well i do too i definitely do it's bridging the gap between between next generation and deep space nine for me yeah because you look at like deep space nine like the crew of the enterprise would not have handled the dominion war the way that the crew of the space nine did. And, and that, and we know from like context clues and whatnot that the enterprise was involved in in the dominion war, but they were never on the front lines. We never saw them. Yeah. Right. Exactly. The the enterprise E was never part of those. Weren't in any of those assaults that we saw. They were way in the back. (laughs) Yeah. They were, they were off doing their own thing. For sure. Um, And that, that's cool. That's fine. That's whatever. That that's kind of just the, the way that it goes for, for Mm -hmm. these TV shows. But the, uh, but now we have an opportunity to kind of have these next generation crew who even lore talks about, you know, these people are grandstanding they're they're high and mighty and they're blah, 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 where they now have to deal with the fact like 
what we all know as as audience members watching Deep Space Nine, the Federation Starfleet kind of sucks. Yeah. Like they they really screwed up during the Dominion War and the it's it's now time to punch that ticket. For sure. Um, it, we get to re- they reveal the other side of the coin. What we what we as people looking into the situation, we only see that oh Starfleet was doing their very best and they created a cure for them. But then we get to hear the other side. It's like, yeah, you guys created a cure, but you guys never gave it to us. We had to right. steal it from you. That And that's what's so interesting because like, yeah, the history books would say we delivered the cure to the, mm-hmm. to the, to the, to the great link. Yes. We made a mistake in creating it. And Starfleet could very easily like wipe their hands and be like section 31 did and we didn't do it. But, they don't. So that's kind of that's kind of nice that they take responsibility for creating the, the, the disease. But they have but they have told everyone and then we gifted it to the Great Link yes. after the war was over and oh, peace was restored throughout the galaxy. And Vatic rightly says that's not how that happened. And Picard has to reckon with the fact that there was no way Picard would have known that. Mm-hmm. Only people on Deep Space Nine knew that. Correct. Correct. And that would have been classified. Yes. And that for me, it, it, it hit me in a way that um, not to go too far into like politics or anything, but um, history books in America don't really explain a lot of things. Oh, one correctly. million percent. One million percent. Okay. So we're on the same. Okay. Because yeah. I didn't want to push too many buttons, but when it comes to like Native Americans and like Thanksgiving. Oh, like Thanksgiving. Watched- oh, awful. Okay, so Americans as a whole celebrate Thanksgiving as the day that the pilgrims helped out the Indians. And that was not the case at all. It was, we're going to rape your women, we're going to steal your food, we're going to steal your land, and we're going to give you nothing. Yeah, history is written by the victors. Correct. It was very much glorified by the victors. And we're seeing that same concept applied here in in a totally different timeline and it's it's so cool how they are they have the ability i don't know if they did it on purpose or not but have that ability to go and say these things like hey your history books are a lie this yeah. is what's really happened and, and nowadays and and at this point it is history because as i said it's 30 years removed at this point almost mm-hmm. uh from from the war from the end from the end of the war frankly and the the war the war really changed starfleet like Starfleet wasn't a war. It wasn't a um, a, a, a battalion. Type of thing. Yeah, yeah. They they had, I mean they had fought plenty of wars in the past. There was the Romulan War in the twenty in the twenty second century, the Klingon Cold War in the twenty in the twenty third century. So there have been constant wars, constant battles. Their ships are are well equipped for are well equipped for battles, and have been known to go to war. But the Dominion War was different. The Dominion mm-hmm. War was costly. It scarred the Federation in a way that no other war ever did. Yeah. Because if you look at the sc- there are no scars from the from the Romulan Federation War uh, that lasted 10 years uh, prior to the founding of the Federation. Yeah. Um, and so there aren't really scars there. There maybe there aren't really scars from the Klingon Cold War that lasted for 40 years in the Correct. 23rd century. But the five years of the Dominion War wrecked the Federation. Yes, the Federation was the Federation and Starfleet specifically had to had to reckon with with doing things that 
they would never have thought about because Section 31 at that point was far more powerful than they were willing to admit. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not counting what we saw with Discovery where they had like fleets of ships and whatnot. I'm not counting that. I'm, the 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 <clears throat> the espionage that we saw Section 31 do in D Space Nine and the idea that like, you know, they're still secretive. Not many people know they exist. Not many mm-hmm. people know if they're real. Um, there's kind of hip, what, whispers and hushed, hushed voices. <clears throat> and the fact that people have heard about them is only in regards to the fact that maybe Bashir has said something, right? Correct. But even so... They had people, Section 31 developed the virus before the Dominion War. They developed that virus before the Dominion War. Um, that was going to wipe out an entire species. Gen- and the, 100% genocide. 100% genocide. And the Federation was okay with it. They said, yeah, do it. Just do it off the books, but make it happen. And they, and that's what Deep Space Nine, that's one of the reasons why Deep Space Nine is so good is because it really reckons with the fact that like, you know, we have, yes, on Earth, we have a utopia, but everywhere else, it, but, but everywhere yeah. else, it's, you can do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Like, we, as long as you don't touch, it's kind of that isolationist feeling that you see in America these days. Like, we don't care what you're doing, just leave us alone. But, and, and so, like, Earth during the Dominion War was very much like America during World War II, right? Mm-hmm. You can't touch us. Yeah. We're landlocked. We got two large oceans. You're not coming to us. Um, or World War One. I'll say World War One because Pearl Harbor happened. Uh, okay, yeah. Or World War Two. But like World War One, like it takes place over there. Mm-hmm. We don't need to worry about it. And that gives people the ability. That gives people this kind of like um, ability to say to, like, if if you're like, hey, the people over there are dying. They're all going to die. Like but there are enemies. There are yeah. enemies. So, so let's say like the changelings are Germans. Let's say if, if someone, if, if some, if the CIA was like, I released a, a toxic agent, all Germans are dying. Mm-hmm. The American government would have been like, okay. Sucks, <laughs> Sucks to be them. Sucks to be them. Yeah. And, and only after the war would they be like, would they try to wipe their hands of it, erase history, be like, you know, blah, blah, blah. Picard has said it twice in the season, Starfleet delivered the cure to the foot. He says it three times, Starfleet delivered the cure to the Great Link, as if he's kind of programmed to say that almost. Mm-hmm. But that's not the reality of it. And Vatic has to be like, that's not. Now, I'm not saying that the changelings are good people. Yeah. But. The problem, but but the thing with Deep Space Nine that we're, we're, they're reckoning with now in Picard is that by the end of the war, honestly, which side was worse is up in, is up in the air. Correct. Yes. Yes. And that's that's a scary thing to think about when you're thinking of a, a galactic war and both parties are just as bad as the other one. Yeah, and that's what section that's section thirty one's influence. That's why we've met section thirty one. That's why we went to Daystrom Station to remind the audience section thirty one is Starfleet, and they're not good at all. Yeah, they're not good. They're bad guys, but in wartime situations, they're Starfleet. Yeah, and that's and I really like how we kind of like paired back section thirty one to this kind of anomalous. Um, um, mysterious organization that commits war crimes 
um, you know, we kind of get we kind of backed away from what we saw them in Discovery season two, which is frankly atrocious. Um, I like that season a lot, but that, what they do with Section Thirty One is ridiculous in that, in yeah. that season. But the idea that we've now paired them back to being this faceless, anomalous organization, the evil, evil clandestine organization within Starfleet is really good and really effective and kind of brings it back, pairs it back to where we saw them in Deep Space Nine. For sure. I thought they, I think that's smart. Yeah, I definitely do. It, like I said, it, it, this feels like it's bridging the gap between Deep Space Nine and uh, Next Generation for me. Yeah. Uh, Worf and Raffi are in the next episode and I can't wait to see them again. Yeah. Let's see. Um, so Picard and Beverly mm-hmm. are, you know, they're talking to Vatic, and it's a really good scene. And and I really like the I, Picard's line read it where where Vatic says the truth of of Project Proteus, uh, the cure to the Great Link, all that, and and Picard says I didn't know. In, incredible moment because this is a man who's twice now has been heartbroken by Starfleet. <laughs> yes. Um, when the, when they decided to say, when they said, we're not going to save the Romulans from destruction, he quit. And now here, and he, he, so he, so interestingly always has to reckon with the fact that Starfleet, um, has bad apples in it. The Starfleet mm-hmm. isn't this perfect organization that he believes it is. And he 100% is for the ideals of Starfleet. He is tried and true blue stars, wreath stars, Starfleet. He loves Starfleet. Yeah. But even so, like people talk about people online talk about how like, oh, but Starfleet's supposed to be this good, this good organization. But we've met so many bad admirals within yeah. Starfleet throughout Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, um, e- even the original series. It's a whole trope, the bad admiral yeah. trope. They're, they're all just douchebags. <laughs> Right, and so like that that proves that Starfleet has never quite been that utopian that utopian um, organization that Picard believes it is. Mm-hmm. Picard wants to believe that Starfleet is better, and Picard constantly you know strives to be better, and that's what Star Trek is about. For me, it's about striving to be better and constantly be better, and Starfleet is is representative of that. But there are always going to be people within that organization who that are going really- to be wrong. Who want to do wrong? Who are willing to commit war crimes? Yeah, uh, because they're doing it for the greater good. Correct. Now that's not to say the changelings are good, because they're not. Very they good. are genocidal maniacs who wanted to destroy all solids, except for one. Who? Come on, you didn't watch Deep Space Nine. He was. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, no, I miss Odo. Um, it's too bad that he can't be in the season because he passed yeah. away. Um, yeah, so, so, so Beverly and Picard, they have this moment where they're thinking, maybe we kill Vatic. Mm-hmm. And you see, like, Picard actually goes and says, I think you're right. And Beverly's like, I've lost my mind. So, yeah, you must be right. Yeah, they have this moment where, where, you know, she's like, my, m- you know, my, um, my compass, I've lost my compass. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that kind of goes back to how the season was, you know, really, really kind of like striving to deliver the idea that all these characters have changed over this over these years. And Beverly having to be so far away from Starfleet and hiding her son for so long and trying to protect her son for so long has really changed her into this person who 
is willing to do anything to protect her son. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, Vatic even says to her, like, are you willing to lose another son? You know, losing Wesley was hard for her. Yeah. And it's kind of gotten to the point where she is where she is willing to sacrifice her her morality and Picard is willing to do it with her. Mm-hmm. I don't think Picard is fully on board with it though. I think, I think he's, he's like just trying to make up for lost time. Yeah, I think he's just trying to to kind of show that Beverly's not alone. Mm-hmm. I but I do think he would have he would have done it if Vatic hadn't escaped. Yeah. Um real quickly, Amanda Plummer's great. Yeah, both because we get to see her transformation of being a doctor. Oh yeah, we see her, we see the original, we see her, her original form. Yeah. But not her original form, the doctor that experimented on her. Correct. What did you think of the experimentation monolo- uh, mo- montage? I thought that was kind of cool. I think it was a little long, but I thought it was cool. Yeah, it's kind of horrifying. It is. Yeah, it's like you're watching people just get like just tested on and it's like yes they're liquid in this form but still people who are being tested on it's kind of like yeah. hor- horrifying to see that actually take place and this lady's just whistling having it's a kind good of, old time it's kind of cool to see the amount of emotion they can they, the amount of terror that you can get out of just watching amanda Plummer put a taser to just a little piece of goo and and, burn it. and because we know yeah. that this goo is alive it's a life uh, form we're able to extrapolate and feel this emotion. And it's, I thought it was really effective. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, so we also learned that she can't go back to the great link. Correct. She is. So she was modified to kind of be this like, perfect um, spy, just drop, drop in, become any species. She can hold her form. She says that she can pass on this, this new, this new evolution to other changelings, but she can't go back to the great link because of it. Mm-hmm. And she has a, she has a half life. Yes. She won't live as long as the other, as the other mm-hmm. changelings. How did you feel about her? Uh, I guess minions, if you will. And the one bodyguard dude that she had that just would not die for anything. I like the, I like the big guy. Do you think he is a changeling or do you think that he's something else? So I think they're all changelings, but I, but I think because she says in the early in a few episodes ago, she says every misshapen one of you. I feel like they're changelings who can't hold their form. Okay. Which is why they're kind of in body armor almost. Mm-hmm. And it's possible that that armor, that that like costume is part of their body also, but it, it feels like they are That's unable. Yeah. It's like their container. They're unable to take a form, mm-hmm. uh, uh, which I'd like to see extrapolated on, honestly. For sure. Maybe we'll get that answer next week. Very true. It's a great episode. I'm telling you. <laughs> I think it's a good episode. Okay. Um, I uh let's see. Um there's a one there's one shot in this in this where um so it's Jack and Sydney, they're trapped in the corridors with the three changelings around them, well two changelings mm-hmm. around them. And uh Jack sees Sydney. Jack is looking at Sydney, and I don't know if you noticed this, but over his shoulder is that red door that he keeps seeing. Yes, I did see it. Which is, it's still like I'm like, all right, why won't you guys answer this question for us, please? Yeah, that's why I'm. That's why I'm hoping the answer is next week because, like, when you get to the point where the where the question being withheld is getting frustrated, mm-hmm. frustrating, you're you're going to start losing your audience. Yeah, and 
so close to the end, you don't want to lose your audience. Correct. Um, and I, I have faith. I have faith still. It's been a good season so far. It's been great for me. I've been loving it. Who do you think? I don't think we're going to get Miles. No. I hope It'd we get Miles, though. To get Miles. You know what? I You know where I want Miles? I want him. I, I want him. No, I want him to. I want him to do like they're going to the to give the speech at Frontier Day, and Miles is there. That'd be pretty cool. And he's just like, "Hey guys, yeah." I just want Miles. I, you know what? I want the last shot of this episode of the of the last episode is every single cast member from every single Star Trek show who's still That'd alive. Be epic. That'd be you know so how much cool. Money that would cost so much money. <laughs> <laughs> just for no. like. A, a two second clip i i mean i really i really think that like um the star trek legacy show that terry metallis is talking about is the way to go because you could have one-off episodes where bashir shows up or Mm -hmm. esri shows up and i really just want to see the d space nine characters again i hear that um shaw gets gets uh, shaw is going to go out to vatic he has a moment the great character moment where the moment he gets into the turbo lift, he says, blow the turbo lift. <laughs> that poor guy. By the way, I don't know if you noticed this. Nobody can shoot in Star, in Star Trek. Apparently they just have the worst aim ever. Well, because when, necessarily... he, when he was shooting, the two people next to him died and he's over there like, Oh, blah, 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 blah. And he's like not hitting them. And then you have the moment with, with Sydney and, She's running away and she's shooting and she's not hitting it. I don't know if it's like on purpose. They wanted to trap them, but it's like all they need to do is trap one. That's interesting. So I'm going to give you a bullshit answer and then I'm going okay. to give you what, what I think is probably happening. So, you know, the phaser designs, the new phaser mm-hmm. designs are with um, they have a handle and they look very much. They're kind of invoking like the originals. Yeah, they look like a gun with a with a thing uh, by the way i really don't like the phaser designs this season you want the old school i miss the dolphin phasers <laughs> that's what they're called the dolphin okay. phasers uh, i miss those uh, wharf has one gotcha. um which i really like so so these phasers by the way they shoot like pulses they shoot like bolts of, fa- of phasers okay. um now normally in star trek now what here's here's my bullshit answer they've all been trained with beam phaser weapons mm-hmm but none of these weapons are beam phasers anymore. So that's the reason why they can't hit a target. Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> it works. I mean, it works. Um, no, I think probably it's just they just need the dramatic tension gotcha. to to have characters miss and, and whatnot. I don't think it's quite as bad like a stormtrooper. Um, <laughs> and, and like really none of these characters, none of our main characters are in security anyway. Yeah. So, you know. Um, although Beverly and Picard get some pretty good shots at Vatic as, as when she becomes goob, when she becomes, yes, they do. They did get a couple hits. Gets out of there. Um, let's see. We talked about how cool Brent Spiner is. He has a moment where he switches from data to lore in one sentence. It's awesome. That's so cool. It is. Um, I don't know if I have much else. I hope what I said about the, the, the war analogy stuff and, Made a lot of sense. It I made I sense feel, for me. I feel like I'm going to get comments, though. No, I, I think you did a really good job. It made sense to me. So you're golden. Um, what do you think is going on with the transporters? It's a great question. Because we talked about it as well. 
Yeah, Vadik has a thing where she's like, no transporters, take a shuttle. Yeah. What do you think? I don't know Why if it's not? because they they are no longer part of the Great Link, so maybe they have a weakened body state where if they get um their body could get separated from them, I think, and get stuck in the transporter. But they used the transporters in the first episode. Yes, but they haven't had a break. Mm, true. They've been going nonstop. I'm just curious what's going on with the transporters because Roe mentioned she doesn't trust the transporters. Jack saw saw something happen when the when he saw the characters transporting, and now mm-hmm. Vadic says, "Don't take the transporters." I wonder what's going on with the transporters. Uh, maybe the transporter is a way to put the the changeling into them, change their DNA. But then oh. DNA has to match up when it goes up into the transporter, comes back out. So that's true. Never mind. Yeah, I don't know. It'd be interesting. I I wonder if it is just like a. No, it's got to be a thing because the transporter is supposed to be cheaper than the shuttle, as yeah. far as like a as far as like a visual effects go. Instantaneous too. Yeah, I don't know. Be interesting to see. Um. We talked a little bit about Amanda Plummer. Amanda Plummer is great in this episode. Um, like truly. Uh I really appreciate that she thinks she's right. Yeah. That she thinks that, that her people were not in the wrong. Mm-hmm. Um and she and and you know, the kind of like the villain is the hero of their own story. Yeah. Where she's like, you know, hey, yeah, we committed warfare, but be but you committed genocide. Exactly. You guys are worse than we are. Yeah, but like eh. Yeah. And like because they even say they even say that like um like you know you uh you wage war on us uh why you know why'd you wage war on us and and she's like because solids ruin everything they touch. Uh so like yeah the reason for 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 going to war was ridiculous and stupid. But also section 31 shouldn't have created that virus. So Correct. like you know it's the kind of like who's who was worse in the situation. Yeah. I mean the changelings were unequivocally the changelings were the bad guys i i just want to be i just want to keep putting that one on record so nobody twists my words into thinking that i think they were right that would be hilarious like you just get a whole bunch of massive tweets like you suck brandon i mean eh, terry metallis gets a bunch of shit on on twitter now that dude should not be on twitter it's that bad he yeah i mean i appreciate that he keeps talking to fans and whatnot and he's you know very much a proponent of trying to get this other star trek show off the ground and and whatnot but yeah he's he 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 gets a he gets it rough sometimes um i i'm not convinced that the i'm not convinced that the um that the plan is to make a new picard to make a, a a genetically perfect doppelganger, I'm not convinced mm-hmm. that's the whole plan. Um, yeah, I think that's all I got. Oh, one thing: Alondra is called Lieutenant, but she has an ensign pip that bugged me. I would have never noticed. So I know only I do. <laughs> only I noticed that shit. Um. Oh. Um. Real quickly, I do want to just shout out the production design. The production design of this show is awesome. Awesome. Um, and we didn't talk about it yet, but the Lacars screens, okay, that we see are almost completely interactive, and they are uh, filmed in camera rather than put in. 
and they're and they're really they're really detailed. I just think that that's so cool that they've created like real life cars that actors can interact with and yeah move with, and, and it's just that's cool. That is very cool. Um. Okay. Okay. I think an hour is good. What do you think? Yeah, I did want to say one thing, which was Go I ahead. thought was cool. We got a chance to get an interaction with another bridge crew. Um, the Vulcan, the shaped head Vulcan. Tavine, that's Tavine. Yes. Yeah, that's Tavine. Yeah. So we got a chance to kind of interact with her a little bit, which I thought was nice and refreshing. I, so I know Tavine, Sydney, obviously. I know who's the El Elmar. I think is the other your, girl's your name. A lot better than me. All I know is, yeah, no. I don't know the Bajoran's name. But I really like this cast. Yeah. I would like to see this cast. Like not just the not the legacy cast, but like everyone else. I would like mm-hmm. to see them in another Star Trek show. Seven's great. All right. <laughs> Anything else? That was it, man. That was it. Uh cool. So I guess that'll do it. I'm sure there's other things that I could say that I can that I can come up with. Um, but might as well let you get back to your wife. No worries. Um, all right. Well, Cookie, once again, thank you so much. Why don't you plug your stuff? Absolutely. Um, you can find me on social media, on Instagram, at just little podcast on Twitter, at just podcasting on YouTube. I will try to put up a video when I get a chance. Um, just a little podcast. You can still listen to the back catalog for as long as you want. Cause I will keep that up and running um, until something else happens, but I will keep that up and running. So you'll have a back catalog of all of the, the greatest hits. And there's um, there's an episode that I put up on there with Brandon and myself. So of us talking about Star Trek in the bat. Yeah, I think we have I think I might have two or three episodes of us just talking Star Trek previous Star Trek episodes. So that's cool. Yeah, it was nice. Um, well, you know, as I said up top. You know, we're we're going to we're I, I've got you committed to the end of Picard. Yes, sir. But unfortunately, that is only three episodes left. Yes, unfortunately. Um, so I'm I'm unfortunately bittersweet moment for me as we come to the end of the card i'm also coming to the end of my trek with you i like the um, way you use trek that was good thank you um so i'm uh but you know you know i'm really happy for you thank you sir congratulations on your on your upcoming child thank you thank you um and uh named after me correct of course i mean course. that's the only way i would make this thing happen of course of course um <laughs> no but yeah so thank you again so much for doing this with me um uh, guys, this is Fickner's Watch. If you're watching this, you should know that by now. This is Fickner's Watch for Star Trek Picard. We've got plenty of other Star Trek Fickner's Watches going on. Um, we There is the Mandalorian Fickner's Watch series going going right now. Uh, one episode is out now, and then another one will be coming soon. So stay tuned uh, for the second episode um, of that. There is other shows you can check out on this channel if you like this video and you subscribe to this channel. Or if you listen to the audio, go check out some of the audio feeds um there's there's plenty of shows out there there's basement arcade pause menu there's basement arcade uh new episode of basement arcade pause menus are coming um energy station and fickner book club as well as the launch of our newest show our brand new show the real score real quickly the real score is going to be a monthly podcast that i do with my friend and co-host sparks witty and our friend and collaborator from for decades now uh jeremy Bellucci. If you've heard the music on this show, you know, the intro music and the outro music that he's the gentleman who wrote all that. He is going, he's talking to us about film music and we were talking about film music. The first episode is up now. Finally, it is launched uh, where we talk about the Batman 
uh, score by Michael Giacchino. Awesome show. Very fun. I highly recommend people check it out. Not just because I'm on it. Frankly, that should be a deterrent. But um, <laughs> I'm excited to have this show out. And I can't wait for people to listen to it or hear it or watch it. So please do. Um, yeah. So, of course, we have a Patreon. And we have a Public. Uh, if you like to support us financially. Oh, one more show, Conversation. My new show, my my show, Conversation. This is a solo show for me that I do that's audio only. Uh, new episodes coming April 19th. Put that on your calendar, guys. April 19th. Um, of course, the Fickner Podcast. I forgot to mention the Fickner Podcast. That's our main show. That's our mothership show. That's the show where everything comes from. Um, we just talked about the new Dungeons and Dragons movie. Good. Yes. All right. Yes, it's good. All right. That's cool. Um, spoiler alert, it's good. That's um, <laughs> so cool. So you can check out uh, that review. That's up now. Uh, and coming up this week, Super Mario Bros. Woohoo! So we'll see. Mario. That's pretty good. You should have been the voice. <laughs> um, so stay tuned for that. We'll see if that one's good. All right. Um, so yeah, T Public Patreon if you like to support us financially. Um, Fickner Podcast on all the socials. You also uh, write. I'll, I'll, I'll get, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Oh, okay. Um, I'm a BT McClure on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, if you like to, if you like to find me personally, I also write for CBR.com, AtomicEatham.com. Actually, there's a there's an article I wrote about Star Trek Discovery's cancellation that's up now. Um, and uh, KaijuRamenMedia.com. Cookie, once more, where can people find you? Just a little podcast on Instagram, just podcasting on Twitter, and just a little podcast on YouTube. Great. Uh, until next time, guys. Until next week. We're, well, this coming week, actually. But we'll see when this episode comes out. Live long and prosper. Absolutely.